0: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: Man, on a spectacular day in New York City. It is like summertime outside, and that means NBA playoff action is what we should be used to and it's what we got last night. Bobble shoes and sitting in for Greeny. On ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, the ESPN app, your smart speaker, presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests appear on the Goodyear Hotline. Brian Windhorst is going to join us coming up a little bit later on. And we're going to talk about what we saw last night. He's actually joining us in 15 minutes. So we'll get a couple of quick thoughts out of the way. It is time for the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And just as a jumping off point, you know, before we even get into the sports, I got stuck in traffic today. And I was like weirdly comforted by it. You know how weird that is? I live in suburban New York City in New Jersey, about 30 to 40 minutes outside of Manhattan. And the traffic today was awful. I mean, on the Turnpike Extension, trying to get into the Holland Tunnel, there was a line of cars two miles long. And I used to grip the steering wheel as if I was going to choke the car to death when I would get stuck in traffic like that before COVID. But I don't know what it was about today. I was sitting in traffic, and I was, like, bizarrely happy. Because it was the first time in the longest time that I can remember sitting in traffic. And I'm wondering, you can tag this. If you want to give me a call, 888 say 888 729 We'll get into the sports. But I'm wondering if there's something that has come back as COVID is starting to go away, as we're starting to get vaccinated, as we're starting to get back to normalcy, something that used to drive you bananas, like out of your gourd, used to drive you like insane with frustration, and now it's back, and you're oddly comforted by it. Because I used to think if the, 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 the best thing that could ever happen in the world would be the elimination of traffic. And then in the last year and a half, sitting in, you know, or like just cruising down highways in suburban New York City with no other cars around was eerie. It was weird. Coming into Manhattan and cruising through the Holland Tunnel during rush hour was weird. It was eerie. It felt wrong. And, man, sitting in traffic today, I don't know why, but I was, like, happy to be sitting in traffic. I know it's the opposite of what you would expect, but it just kind of felt normal again. And there are people walking the streets in New York, and it just feels like we're getting back to normal. And one big reason why we're getting back to normal is the scene we are going to have tonight at Madison Square Garden for the Knicks and the Hawks, because I'll talk about the games last night. But if you are a New York basketball fan under the age of 25, arguably under the age of 30, you are going to experience something tonight, whether you're there in person or watching on television, you have never experienced. All right, there was one year with Carmelo Anthony where the Knicks were an above 500 team and a playoff team, a 50-win team, but they didn't have that year what we're going to have tonight. Because tonight checks all the boxes. Tonight takes me back to the 90s. Tonight is what I grew up on as an NBA fan because there's multiple things tonight that we haven't had in 20 to 25 years. First of all, thank goodness, this is a sense of normalcy. We're going to have the best we can have or as close as we can get to a packed Madison Square Garden. It may not have been 20,000 on Sunday, but it sounded like 20,000. It's going to sound like 50,000 tonight. That's number one. Number two, the Knicks are in a must win and they know it. They have to win tonight. You can't lose the first two games in a seven-game series at home. At Four times in the history of the NBA has a home team dropped the first two games and gone on to then win the series. One of those was 94. The Rockets did it, I believe, to the Suns, and they went on to beat the Knicks in the finals. They won the NBA championship after dropping the first two games at home. But 99 times out of 100, you're the home team. You drop the first two games at home, you're losing the series. So you have to do tonight, if you're the Knicks, what the Lakers did last night, what Denver did, what Utah has to do. You have got to win game two at home and make sure, worst case scenario, you're 1-1 going on the road. So we're going to have a packed Madison Square Garden. It's going to sound like there's twice as many people in there as there are. Number two, it is a true playoff atmosphere because the garden crowd will know the Knicks have to win. And number three, And this is what we did not have when Carmelo Anthony had the one year with the Knicks and they were respectable. I got to go back to the 90s to have the feeling tonight in the garden that we're going to have, we've got a villain. We have someone that the fans are going to be busting at the seams to boo. We have Reggie Miller, Chapter 2, Reggie Miller 2.0 in Trey Young. And the NBA as a whole doesn't have enough of this. I mean, this is when, going back to the, you know, when the NBA first got on television, basically, with the Bird Magic revival, all the way through the 80s, all the way through the 90s, even into the early to mid-2000s, there were villains in the NBA. There were legit rivalries. There were teams that legit hated each other. And there were fan bases that legitimately hated players on the other team. Now it's about buddying up with your pal and exchanging jerseys after the game. Way too often in the NBA. Not tonight. Tonight, we have a villain. Trey Young comes to the Garden tonight as hated as anybody since Reggie Miller in that building, and it only took one game to do it. It's amazing. But the Garden crowd, I mean, and, and the best part about tonight, I think, is, is that. There will be NBA fans, just like I think there were back in the 90s, that could care less who wins the series? There were NBA fans of the 90s that didn't give a damn whether the Knicks or Pacers won. They didn't care. They didn't care if the Knicks or the Heat won. They wanted to see after game one against Reggie Miller what game two looked like and sounded like. After a bench clearing brawl in Miami with, you know, Jeff Van Gundy hanging onto Alonzo Morning's ankle, what was going to happen in the next game? So to me, this is. This is an element tonight that brings fans that have no rooting interest between the Knicks and, and the Hawks into this series in a way that we don't get enough of in the NBA. So 888 espn triple eight seven 729 We'll also talk about the games from last night. I'll just give you a couple of quick thoughts. We're going to get into this Brian Windhorst after the break. But I guess three quick thoughts. Four quick thoughts, I guess, because we had, you know, three games to talk about last night. First of all, the Nets, if you're the Boston Celtics, can you show at least a little bit of professional pride here? I mean, you are now training camp for the Nets. And you can't be anyone that had kind of that, like, you know, side eye to the Nets saying, oh, you guys only played seven games together. We'll see how good you actually are when you get back together. And you've now watched these two performances, specifically last night, and you're now thinking, oh, no. Like, this is everything that we thought these guys were going to be after they finally got back on the court. They were unstoppable last night, but the Celtics got sped up in a way that you cannot get sped up playing against this team. I mean, the Nets are, I think, by anybody's defensive metric, mediocre to bad. But their offense is so incredibly good that it almost turns them by de facto into a good defensive team because you put so much pressure on yourself to try and keep up with them offensively that you take bad shots. You get sped up. You make them look better on defense than they are because you're doing whatever you can just to try and keep up. Because they're going like, to blink and drop 130 to 140 points on you without trying. And that's going to be their recipe for success. They know they don't have to be real good defensively. They're just going to simply go out there and outscore you. The Lakers did last night exactly what they needed to do. We'll talk about that and how bad were the Clippers. I mean, I give all the credit in the world to Dallas, but the Clippers last night were awful. The idea that they think they're now okay, they're not worried, they're going to be able to go and take their 2-0 deficit on the road and be fine. Not if you don't guard the three-point line. Not if you not show some pride, get a hand in someone's face. Not if you're fouling with three seconds on the shot clock with 30 seconds to go in the game in front of your own bench. They looked disinterested. They looked poorly coached. They looked lackadaisical on the defensive end. They did not look like a team that was fighting for their life, the way you have to fight for your life if you are down one at home in a playoff series in danger of going down two. Got a million things to talk about. All of that. We'll get some football later on, obviously, with Aaron Rodgers and Julio Jones as well. That's all the straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise, and getting rid of those black streaks on your roof with spray and forget is as easy as literally spraying and forgetting about it. Spray and forget, it's that easy. It's Bob Shoes and in for Greeny, and we'll get to your telephone calls at triple eight say ESPN 3776 If you're on so old, stay right there. Uh, if not, hop aboard. Brian Winhorst going to kick it off for us. We're going to talk some hoops with Brian when we get back on ESPN
0: Radio and ESPN Plus. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Greeny, the podcast.
1: He better be. Bob Weschusen in for Greeny on ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, the ESPN app, your smart speaker. Just say to your smart speaker, play ESPN Radio. And here we are. And here is the Hoop Collective's Brian Windhorst joining us on the Goodyear Hotline, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear more driven brian you're a miami guy right or at least a decent amount of your career has been spent in miami am i right about that
2: i lived there for a little while but i'll always be a cleveland guy
1: yeah i know but you know what all of us that have spent at least a little time in miami are blood thins (laughs) and there's a little part of us that we leave behind under the palm trees when we're dumb enough to come north and end up in the snow and the ice again what what years were you down there
2: uh, 2010 to 2014. Yeah, we missed it. And I may, have been in, I may have been in Florida last week, may or may not have been in Florida last week. <laughs> Rumor has it? Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Well, listen, uh, your podcast, I know the Hoop Collective, which obviously anybody at ESPN, make sure you get it. Make sure you listen to it. I know as the jumping off point, you talked some Donovan Mitchell. So where does that situation stand with the Jazz? And, and where is he at mentally and physically going into a game that they have to win?
2: Well, his relationship with the team is damaged right now. Uh, Will it be damaged in, you know, 15 days? Will it be damaged in six weeks? You know, maybe not. But the way this went down was problematic. And uh, I've heard what people have said, which is that they were just trying to protect him. But the reason that doesn't hold water uh, in this case, in other cases, we know that the players and the co- and the training staff are going to be on different pages sometimes. but the reason it doesn 't hold water in this case is because they cleared him to practice for three consecutive days in scrimmage um, and then, after they ruled him out, they cleared him to play within twelve hours of holding him out, and the game wasn 't for forty eight hours. Um, they pretty much admitted that they had botched the way they 'd handled this, and not only does it affect this playoff series because you know you hold your franchise player out of a playoff game that he thinks he's playing in and the rest of the team thinks he's playing in it affects the trust within the team much less the fact that they've now dropped a game and lost home court now they should be able to recover against uh, memphis um you know if they if they don't they've got more problems than this but (laughs) it doesn't bode well for the jazz that this happened what do you think happened? I
1: mean, what what do you think? Obviously, there's something else maybe that we're not – there's always something else that probably on the surface we're not seeing that's happening. What, what do you think's going on here?
2: Well, I don't have a degree in, you know, physical rehabilitation. Right. I'm not an orthopedist. I, I, for, for all I know, they had really good reasons. But what I do know is this, is that, you know, he had this injury uh, midway through April. This was expected to bring him back – before the end of the regular season, and it did not. Okay, that happens. You know, all injuries are different. But midway through his rehab, he decided to start working with his own trainers. Um, And that's not unheard of in the NBA. Star players throughout uh, history have had their own trainers. But to to move away from the team trainers and start working out with his own trainers, and then when the moment of truth happens – for him to believe one thing about his health and the team trainers to, be, to believe another, and then for them to reverse course within 12 hours, again, all of those things point to dysfunction. And look, we all have dysfunction in our lives. I'm not perfect at my job. People make mistakes. However, when you make a mistake with your franchise player on the day of a playoff game, it's a big deal.
1: And against a team that has a very dangerous player on the other side that we just saw outperform Steph Curry. I mean, aren't you playing with fire here? Because you know, even in a 1-8 series, you've got to win your home games, right? So, I mean, they're trying to middle this, and did they get a little greedy and thinking they could rest him for one more game? How much better physically is he going to be tonight than he would have been two days ago?
2: So, again, Bob, that is something that has probably been true in the past, and I could see an organization maybe doing a little gambling because there's a couple of days off. But in this case, I don't think it applies. And that's because from everything I can tell, this was not a decision made by the front office. This was a decision made by the training staff. This wasn't the front office and coaching staff huddling and saying, hey, we think we can get away with this. Let's right. give him an extra three days. Um, the other thing is, you know, the team didn't know it. And, and again, this is where I'm going to throw the flag and say this is not like other situations. Right. The te- He has shoot around in the morning, the day of a playoff game, Everybody on the roster goes to their houses to have lunch and take their afternoon pregame nap, thinking that Donovan Mitchell, who, by the way, averaged 35 points against the Grizzlies in the two victories that the Jazz had against them this year. They won the season series 2-1, and Mitchell was huge in those wins. They go away thinking he's a part of the game plan, and they come back and he's not after having just practiced with him for four consecutive days.
1: Brian Windhorst, ESPN senior NBA insider, also host of the Hoop Collective podcast, been with ESPN for a long time, and you and I grew up on an NBA of villains. You know, I just talked about this at the start of the show. How great is it, and I think how thirsty is the NBA to have what they're going to have at the Garden tonight? Because I said, you have to be an NBA fan in New York probably at least 25, if not 30 years old, who have ever experienced what we're going to get at the Garden tonight, a packed building, of like, it's going to sound like there's 50,000 people in there and a player on the other team that the Knicks fans love to hate, and it only took one <laughs> game for them to want to hate him.
2: Yeah. Boy, Trey certainly played it up like a Broadway star, didn't he? Good for him, man. Uh, he Good certainly for him. played that role. Absolutely. Yeah, the thing is, and, I mean, I've just seen this, you know, I've been covering the NBA for almost 20 years, so I've seen this. When a team is really good year after year, their crowd doesn't go crazy at first-round playoff games. Sometimes the most intense crowds happen when there's a drought. Uh, I would argue that the loudest crowd I ever heard LeBron play in front of in Cleveland before he made his return game with the Heat and they all booed him, was his first ever playoff game there because the Cavs had not been to the playoffs in eight years and the electricity in that building was unbelievable. So let's go back to the Garden uh, over the weekend. That electricity, I wasn't there. I'm just watching on TV, but yep. the crowd shots are unbelievable. Um, and so it's pent-up energy, not only from the Knicks having not having been in the playoffs for eight years, but people coming out of the pandemic. So you have, and not only that, this whole team is like on a honeymoon right now. Uh, as an Ohio State fan, I can tell you the joy of winning a national championship when you didn't expect to compete for one because your players got hurt, i will never, nothing they'll ever do will probably equal that as an Ohio State fan when Cardell Jones leads them to three straight wins. I didn't think they were going to win any of the three games. This Knicks team was not expected to even make the playoffs, and here they are hosting a, a first-round playoff series. Um they're overjoyed. So the, the the scene is perfect for this kind of action. And the thing about it is, Bob, and I think this is going to be the case in this series, the way Trey Young plays puts pressure on the officials and the officials make calls, and it's going to be a factor in this series. It was one of the reasons why... The NBA slapped Nate McMillan with a fine last week when he made a reference to favoritism to the Knicks. The the league knows that this is going to be a series where the officiating on Trey Young is huge. So you think there's intensity now? Wait until they come back for a game five, because I'm expecting it to be maybe a 2-2 series coming back to New York, and the Knicks fans are tired of watching Trey Young get whistles for four (laughs) games. That is when we're (laughs) going to see some edge. but certainly tonight is going to be potentially special.
1: Yeah, I'm watching tonight, at least in part, because I want to hear the crowd. I want to hear what it sounds like, because the Garden just sounds different when they've got this kind of crowd that you know they're going to have tonight. All right, real quick, before we let you go, a couple of more What is wrong with the Clippers? A team with Kawhi Leonard on it to allow 60% from the field, 53% from three. They were terrible last night.
2: Bob, the Los Angeles Clippers shot 54% at home and lost the playoff game. Kawhi Leonard had one of the greatest scoring halves in in playoff history. He had 30 points in the first half and they were down. Uh, this team is one of the biggest disappointments I've ever seen. This year is not over yet, obviously. I have seen teams flip series. But not only are they disappointing with their intensity level, their intensity level on defense was absolutely disgusting Awful. last night. Awful. I thought the same t- thing. The, the, the tanking that they did last week flabbergasted me. I've never seen a more gutless approach to the playoffs. And, and, and again, you can't give me anything about other teams' tank. This was a unique situation for reasons I don't need to get into. I've never seen such a gutless thing. Um, I can't believe that, Jerry, that a team that employs Jerry West would sign off on something like that. And to see that performance uh, in the last couple of days was incredibly disappointing. And um, the game plan that they had last night a team that has Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on it has Patrick Beverly defending Luka Doncic possession after possession in the fourth quarter of a playoff game. I was speechless. I mean, I realized that Luka Doncic is probably going to be a hall of famer. He's probably going to be a multi-time MVP to lose to him, which by the way, they chose to play him, which is just lunacy, but I can't go backwards. I cannot. I don't. You know, and I and I mean, I know Ty Lue. I I I covered Ty Lue closely when he was in Cleveland. I don't understand what the game plan was. He did not have the team ready to play. He did not have a defensive game plan to put them in a position to win. And he comes out after the game and says he's not concerned, or at least Paul George said that. I mean, that's just a lie. That has to be a hundred percent. the the Clippers almost. I can't believe how little they're getting out of what should be an incredibly special team. A lot of things have to go your way to win a championship. There have been tremendous teams put together with very smart people and very hard players and that have not won because it's just hard. One out of 30 wins. If they never win a championship, that's not gonna. that doesn't really affect who they are as people. But the way they let it go down last year and the way they have approached this series, not just when, since it started, but what they were doing last week is just – heartless gutless and they have time to turn it around and they better because this will be a stain i know Ka- Lu has rings as a coach and as a player kawhi leonard has two finals mvps paul george has hundreds of millions of dollars i'm telling you this two-year span if they get knocked out here will put a stain on them that they will never wash off
1: yeah i agree with you everything you said 100 percent. hey real quick before i let you go brian winhorst hoop collective podcast espn nba insider Everything that we were told during the regular season that we shouldn't worry about with the Nets only having their three guys playing seven games together and everybody that's watched NBA basketball their whole life is sitting there going, well, I mean, they've only played seven games together. They're terrible on defense. They can't guard big men. This might be all a problem when they get to the postseason. Now, look, the Celtics were not going to provide that problem, but they've been so good. And This is training camp for them. When you're watching them play, are you sitting there going, wow, everything that I was told that I might have to worry about with these guys not playing together during the regular season, I guess I don't have to worry about it, because it looks like they're just going to dust everybody away in the East?
2: They've blown me away ever since they put that team together. I have not been worried. I mean, Kevin Durant can play with anybody. Kevin Durant could go down to the park, get four guys, and probably win a playoff game, and I'm not kidding. <laughs> right. Um The thing about it is is that in the modern NBA, we're learning about it. Things are changing really right before our eyes. In the modern NBA, you don't necessarily have to be a great defensive team to win anymore. What you have to be is a versatile defensive team because of the way the game is played, you have to be versatile. So the Nets may be, frankly, not only with great talent, but their strategy may be ahead of the curve because they do not have a great defense, but they have a versatile defense. And the way their offense plays, they can beat a good defense because a lot of good defenses in today's day and age aren't versatile enough to play against them. That is why the Milwaukee Bucks spent this last year trying to get more versatile on defense. They, the, the Bucks are a much worse defensive team by the numbers this year than they were last year. But last year they were not equipped to play a team with a lot of great shooting in Miami in the playoffs. So to me – the best series pre-finals is potentially Bucks versus Nets because the Bucks have been preparing to, to be versatile on defense for the last year.
1: Yeah, it'll be fun. We'll see. Thanks a million for the time. I appreciate it. I could talk to you all day, uh, but hopefully we'll get to do this again sometime. Have a good day. All right, that's Brian Winhorst from the Hoop Collective podcast, also ESPN Senior NBA Insider. Joining us on the Goodyear Hotline, again, Greenie is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's Home Quote Explorer gives you multiple quote options. You can pick what's right for you. See for yourself at Progressive.com. We do have some calls lined up, so if you're on hold, stay right there. We'll get to you in about 60 seconds, I promise. 888-ESPN, 729 Now, the football offseason is always wild. Trades, free agent signings, new coaching hires, teams excited for the coming season. And if you want to hire people that you're really excited about, team up with ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds people with the right experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. No wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. To try ZipRecruiter for free, just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. Bob Waschusen in for Greeny, ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. All right, let's get some calls in at 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. Start things off with Caleb in Indiana. Joins us first here on ESPN Radio. Hey, Caleb. Hey, how
0: are you doing, Bob? Good.
2: Hey, so one thing that I absolutely hated before the pandemic was when – You know, fans would jar at uh, stars, and
3: stars would jar back at them. But watching that Knicks-Hawks game the other night, I absolutely loved it when they cussed Trey Young out, and he he showed them up. I absolutely loved it. Long-time Pacers fans, and I hate the Knicks, and I saw them. (laughs) It was a joy to see them go down in game one.
1: You know, thanks for the call. Hey, what Reggie Miller became – He made of himself, and it's exactly what Trey Young did the other night, right? A skinny guy who physically looks like a whisper of a dude. He's going to get, you know, just blown apart by the bigger physical bodies in the NBA, and he goes in there tough as nails. It's put up or shut up, and he puts up, and he turns around and tells the entire garden to shh, and he had every right to say it at the end of the game because everything that you would think Trey Young would not be able to do against a big physical team that's going to try to beat him up, they couldn't catch him. I'll be really interested to see how much they hit him tonight and what the whistles look like, but you're right. Reggie Miller always was able to put up or shut up. Trey Young, instead of shutting up, he told the guard to shut up because he put up. Lorenzo in Florida joins us next here on ESPN Radio. Bob was shooting it for green. Hey, Lorenzo. <laughs>
2: Uh, I've got a little in common. I'm a Miami guy, so I'm not too big fan of the Knicks. The villain is not Trey Young in this situation. He does not have enough cachet to be the villain. The villain is the Knicks fan. They were going to treat any player. If it was Jimmy Butler with the heat, they would have treated him like that. If it was Jonas coming in or Middleton, they were going to pick a guy and, gr- and grill him. They're a team. Wendy touched on this. They're a team that hasn't been there. They're so hungry for it, but their their fans are acting like they're right on the doorstep. And, the the Knicks fans are the villain in the situation, not Trey Young,
0: at least not yet. Trae you know, Lorenzo. The Knicks fans, the Knicks Knicks
1: fans have been waiting to let this loose for the better part of twenty years. I mean, look, I know there was one year with Carmelo Anthony. Having been a Knicks fan my whole life, i like that's blocked out of my brain. Like I don't, I don't even like refer to that as being a real Garden atmosphere playoff season because it was sandwiched around so much ineptitude. This is now starting to feel like the building blocks of something sustainable. This is now starting to feel like what the Nets did a couple of years ago, building something where that next disgruntled superstar is going to say, oh, wait a minute, I want to go there, and I want to get a buddy, and I want him to come with me, and then maybe, because that's the way today's NBA works, maybe then they'll really have something. Jeff in Indianapolis is next up here on ESPN Radio. Hey, Jeff.
2: Hey, thanks for taking my phone call. So last year, a year ago, the month of May was like the worst month ever. Ever. I've been going out to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway forever, and to watch the cars go around the motor speedway with nobody in the stands was horrible. I had the privilege of uh, being among the 75,000 that was out there this weekend. I'm going out there on Sunday. They say about 200,000. It'll be the fastest field ever and the closest field ever. Can't wait to hang out. And, by the way, Reggie Miller rocks. The Knicks absolutely suck, and uh, thanks for taking my phone
1: call. (laughs) All right, Jeff, thanks very much. I was at the PGA last week, and just being at a sporting event with that kind of a crowd, with people with smiles on their faces, outside, watching the best in the world, was awesome. And then going back to my hotel room, after I saw Mickelson do what he did on Sunday afternoon, clicking on the TV and watching Knicks Hawks and hearing the garden sound like the garden on Sunday night... I know a lot of people referred to this past weekend as it felt like sports were back. It feels like sports is back. And because it feels like sports is back, that kind of feels like the world is coming back. And like I said, I was in traffic on the way to work this morning and was like weirdly happy about it. Because when I was not in any traffic a year ago, it was eerie. Like I'm happy just to put pants on, right? Right. I was George Costanza for a year, just giving up, just putting on sweatpants. The fact that I can go to my closet in the morning and think I've got to put on pants today to go to work, there's a feeling of normalcy, and we all need it. Triple Eight, say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Bob shoes in for Greeny. We'll come right back, get right back to the telephones. We'll do some football in the next hour as well. Thanks for joining us. Hit the phones. Again, if you're on hold, stay right there. If not, hop aboard. 888-SAY-ESPN. Coming right back on ESPN Radio and ESPN+.
3: Plus. KJZ. The Knicks are making the playoffs, and people in New York are going crazy. They're getting ready to lose their damn mind. Oh, my God, they're getting ready to win the championship. And they're going to get run out of the first round.
0: Want more from the NBA? Don't miss Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Tomorrow morning starting at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN2. Greenie, the podcast.
1: It is greeny on ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, the app, your smart speaker. Bob Wischusen, in for Greeny, Presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests appear on the Goodyear hotline. We've got time to take some calls before the top of the hour at 888-ESPN-888-729-3776. Some Aaron Rodgers thoughts, some Julio Jones thoughts on the other side of the top of the hour as well. But right now, let's get to Allen in Uniondale, joins us next year on ESPN Radio. Hey, Allen.
3: Hey, what's going on, fellas? I had two points I wanted to make. Well, just really one and just get into something else. The Clippers, like, I've seen teams tank before to avoid other seeding, like top seeds, lower seeds, win or lose, to avoid seeding, you know, just to have an easier route to the finals. So I don't get why people are so upset that the Clippers did it. Well, I don't think it has um, anything to do specifically
1: with the tanking. I think it has to do with their performance last night and what they've looked like in these first two games. They're giving up wide-open threes. They allowed a team on the road in an absolute must-win spot. Four teams in NBA history have dropped the first two games at home and gone on to win the series. You are exponentially less likely to win a series after losing game one at home if you then go on to lose game two. You get it to 1-1 like the Lakers did last night. Now you at least go back home feeling like, all right, we dropped a game, but we stole one on the road – You know. If if you are at home and you lose the first two, and you know you're in that kind of spot, and you give up 60 percent from the field, 53 percent from three, because guys are wide open, that was an embarrassing defensive performance last night by that team.
3: It was definitely terrible. And I wanted to get into the Knicks. My a Miami person called. Indiana people called, talking mess about New York. I love it. This is ha- yo. This is when basketball is at its best when the Knicks are good. Let's go Knicks.
1: Yeah, and when you've got a villain to root against, I agree with you. It's been a long time. Nick in Chicago joins us next year on ESPN Radio. Hey, Nick.
3: Bob, big fan of the show. Nice. Uh, I'm not going to beat this conversation to death because I know we've already uh, we've already covered it, but the, uh, the Knicks Pacers and, and Hawks Pacers, excuse me, Hawks Knicks uh, uh, comparisons are, are definitely there with Trey Rung and, and uh, Reggie. The only thing I'm... I'm you know, I'm seeing glimpses of it, but the the similarity I want to see with Trey Young is that love to hate me kind of thing. You know, Pacers with with Reggie, he you know he thrived whether he was in Market Square Arena or he was in you know the Garden. So I'm I'm curious to see if he were to put in the bubble last year, how he would have done being you know Reggie. Um, and then moving over to the more important topic, I want to talk about is people are talking more about you know the Clippers and how they played, but. Let's talk about the Mavericks for a second. Sure. I mean, they still did what they were supposed to do. Luka's going to be Luka. Kristoff's had a great game, too, as well. But, I mean, Tim Hardaway, what? He's going into free agency. He's playing just like he has nothing to lose. Put up 28 points. I mean, he had an outstanding game. So I think that the Mavericks have just as much to show for their win as the, the Clippers do for their loss.
1: No doubt about it. In order for the Clippers to be embarrassed, someone has to go in there and do it to them. And Dallas has done that. And you're right. Luka Doncic looks like... He is – I heard Alan Hahn and the guys talking about it this morning, Keyshawn and Jay Will. He's got every box checked when you look like that guy. Right? Like he just looks like he is on his way to being the true build the team, build the franchise around me kind of player. Jay and Reno joins us next year on ESPN Radio. Hey, Jay.
2: Hey, thank you. Uh, I wanted to um, give you props for making me laugh so hard this morning with the Van Gundy comment. That oh, was great. It made me reflect upon that fight with Alonzo and grandmama. Yeah. And, uh, that, I mean, I to me,
1: know. that, that, like, I, I know it's politically correct to say benches clearing is a good thing, but tell me there weren't people that watched those series back in the 90s because that happened and now you can't wait to see what happens in the next game. It absolutely impacts, you know, I think, like, the, you know, the storyline of a series.
2: Out of all the athletes I met, Larry Johnson was one of the coolest. And, uh, you know, doing a stint with the Knicks, they,
0: if they start winning, they ought to bring back Grandmama on, you know, for some inspiration.
2: All right, Jay.
1: I appreciate it. Let's go to David in New Jersey. He joins us next year on ESPN Radio. Hey, David.
3: Hey, how's it going? I know you were talking a little bit about the Mets earlier. I'm a yep. diehard Mets fan myself. And I know we're both, you know, in the same boat looking at the ESPN Uh-oh. I was wondering – if you think those guys would be anything worth it to try, you to know get what you, you weeks.
1: just as you brought up, whoever it was that you think the Mets should target, your phone cut out and came back. So try it again. What what what's the point?
3: What do you what do you think about guys like Ryan Braun or Puig trying to give them a chance just for these next few months, um, giving them a lesser role just so we can stay in first place? Yeah, but I Puig don't. Puig has a .291 I, batting average last year too.
1: Yeah, I don't see Puig. Um, you know, I mean they did just make a deal. I you know just bringing guys in for a 6 week stretch I guess you you know you can always roll the dice it, at at some point they are going to be out of players it, it almost has arrived <laughs> at that point now so I you know there would probably be a what do you have to lose angle to that but that would probably not be where I would go let's go to Ryan in Minnesota he joins us next year on ESPN radio hey Ryan
3: hey how's it going good Good. Uh, so, I was just calling. I'm a big Minnesota Vikings fan, and to hear all the stuff with Aaron Rodgers getting traded, I, my thing is I think he's going to go to the Broncos first. But, uh, you know, as a Minnesota Vikings fan, I'd love to see him in purple and gold just like Favre, right?
1: Uh, yeah, that's not happening. Remember, I mean, that was, you know, that, that was Favre choosing where he, he was going to go. There's absolutely no chance in the world that Green Bay, with him under contract, still controlling where he goes, they have to trade him, is going to trade him to the Vikings.
2: Well, he'd go to Denver first, right? Well, it, a couple of years, yeah. It he like went to the Jets with
1: Favre. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that see, when when you trade a quarterback, like what, what the Jets did with Sam Darnold, what the Patriots did with Jimmy Garoppolo, what what the you know what the Packers did with Brett Favre, not only trading him out of your division, a lot of times you trade him out of your conference. Like, get that quarterback as far away from me as possible where I see him once every four years and once every eight years in my own building. So I'm actually, you know, thinking that, yeah, like, if you're Green Bay, you want to get him to the AFC. You want him anywhere in the NFC. You want him to go to Denver. You want him to go to Vegas if that's where he goes. And I'll have more thoughts about this coming up in the next hour. I'm amazed that with a guy that was an MVP last season, both sides are handling it the way that they're handling it. But if you eventually arrive at the point where they're just irreconcilable differences and you have to trade them, you're trading them to the AFC as far away from your division and your conference and your stadium as possible. That's what I would expect. We'll have some football thoughts. Get back to your telephone calls. More on the NBA as well. Hour number two on the way. Bob Wischus in for Greeny on ESPN Radio.